This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for your gift of your word. We thank you for the gift of praying and speaking to you. We thank you for the gift of brothers and sisters in Christ. That God, in these three gifts that you have given us, that we can know you better and we can speak to you and we can march on in this Christian journey till we see Christ again. So this afternoon we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit be with us to work in our hearts, engage our minds and uh, strengthen us that we may live a life that rejoices and glorifies you because you are the God who does wonders. Priorities in Jesus' name. Amen. Just very recently, my family went to Fire's Flora to test our green fingers. We couldn't wrap pets, so we decided to have some plants. So we had two pots, um, bought some pots there, some soil. We bought a, a water spring can and two packets of seeds, all ready to grow some vegetables and some flowers. They'll take weeks to grow, but my kids are determined that they will see vegetables and flowers and they water it every day. There was one night my son was tired and he couldn't get out. He says, Dad, can you just do one last thing for me? I was like, oh, what can Dad do for you? Could you water my plants? So um, there we have it. Hopefully if you come to my place in the recent weeks, there might be some fruits there. Because what gets planted are men to bear fruits. Now, we have been on this journey of Romans since the beginning of the year, and Paul has been eagerly watering the, the seeds of the gospel that has been in Rome, that he hasn't seen them. The, the gospel seed has been embedded in this church, and it's been taking roots. And as he ends this letter, Paul, in this 16th chapter, he wants to give a big shout out to all the beautiful fruits that have been growing through the gospel seed that has been planted amongst them. So this is an ending that both points out the power of the gospel and also an encouragement to those in the gospel. There are plenty of encouragement for us in this 16th chapter and I pray that you'll keep it open as we look at Paul's closing greetings, his last goodbyes before he ends off this letter of Romans. So if you have the passage open up and I pray that you do, let me read Romans 16 beginning with verse 1, for us. This is what Paul writes. I command to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centuria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she might need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Now, before Paul gives his final greetings to his friends, he asks that the church in Rome to first of all, um, receive Phoebe kindly in a manner worthy of God's people. Now, Phoebe was, was probably a, a, a Greek lady. This, uh, Phoebe is not a Hebrew name or Jewish name. To receive this lady because she is a sister in Christ. She's been a servant of the Lord. And perhaps she was the one who, who carried this letter to the Roman church because Paul was probably in Corinth and Centuria is, uh, Centuria is probably just a few miles away. So she probably took the letter and brought it to Rome. And Paul says, not only that, she is also a benefactor of many, meaning that she has been a
financial supporter of many who are giving the gospel and says, and that includes me. So, dear brothers and sisters, receive this sister warmly and give her the help she needs. So that's how he sets off his closing chapter and then he moves on and begins this long list that Crystal pronounced much better than me, all the names of the people he wants to speak to. And can we say that it is actually a very amazing chapter of names because Paul has never been to Rome. And that is a long list of names. So if any time in the last 15 chapters we thought that Paul was just giving a blank shot to a group of Christians he never knew, chapter 16 should silence that off and say that actually he knew a lot of people. He's speaking to people he knew. That's why back in Romans 15 verse 14, last week we looked at it, this is what Paul says. He says this, he says, I myself, that is Paul, I'm convinced that my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness. You are filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet I've written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again. So if you are to look at today's passage from verse five, verse 3 to verse 15, it is clear that Paul is well aware that in Rome there are veteran Christian leaders, there were missionaries, there were workers amongst them, and there are people who knew the word of God. He's speaking to people who are not unfamiliar with scriptures. He are speaking to, he's speaking to people who knows scriptures. But he wants to encourage them and remind them again. So it's a great encouragement for the Roman Christians. And can I say that it is for us as well. He's not speaking to people who have never heard the gospel. He's speaking to people who knew the gospel. But must never forget the gospel grace that we have. And so we live. And so if you look with me, Paul begins in verse 3 greeting two of his most trusted comrades or co-workers. They're called Priscilla and Aquila. Now if you know these two people, they are mentioned in Acts many times. Like Paul, they were tent makers. Paul met Priscilla and Aquila many years ago in Ephesus when back then the emperor, Roman emperor Claudia, he has evicted all the Jews out of Rome. So they have to get out of Rome, and this couple, ten makers, they landed in Ephesus, they met Paul there, and from then they were united with the same gospel purpose. And since then they have been ten makers together, they have lived together before, they have traveled as evangelists together. In fact, if you look at verse 4, Paul says that they have even risked their lives for Paul. And how because of them risking their lives, all the Gentile churches were grateful to this Jewish couple because if they had not or had not risked their lives for Paul, perhaps the Gentile churches all around Asia would be much weaker than it was. But because of them, the churches were strengthened and encouraged. In fact, if you look at Acts 18, Aquila and Priscilla, we were told that they actually knew their scriptures well. On one occasion, they spoke and they convinced a very proficient Jew by the name Apollos and converted him to be an evangelist like them. Paul, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, they have been people who are faithful. Back in Rome, we will not be surprised. Evicted out, they were faithful there and now they are back in Rome. And this time around, they have even churches in their house. Look at verse 5. And no doubt if the church were gathering in their house, these churches 
or this church that meets at this couple's house, they will hear of God's amazing work around Asia, of God's work among Gentiles. So when Paul writes Romans, talking about the Jews and Gentiles working together and being united, he's not a lone voice. Because Priscilla and Aquila knows well of this. They are veterans in a few. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you and I here, we come from all walks of life. You, you have your Christian journey. I have mine. At some point, we have met here in this place. But what draws us is not our differences, but the common gospel that we have shared. And that's why we are here together. That gospel that has so powerfully worked and rooted in your life and my life and is continuing to work in our lives that we may grow. And I pray that this will be so for the Roman church as well as for us here at BTPC. Now as Paul moves on, because he had got plenty to greet, he came to this dear friend in verse 5, Apennatus. Apennatus is someone who had been a faithful Christian for a long time. He's the first convert to Christ in province Asia. And you can imagine it's been decades and what a joy it must be for Paul when he writes this letter. He knows Apennatus was there and he says, I greet you, my dear brother and friend. You have kept your faith. I don't know if you remember of anyone in your life at some point where you have shared the gospel and they have come to know the Lord and they have been faithful. You know, in my time as a Christian, there are so many occasions I get discouraged with people I have journeyed with and they have left but it has never failed to encourage me to just hear from a brother who has trusted in the Lord and is still faithful even in a country that is being oppressed by being a Christian. He, he, just by him telling me that he's there and still attending church, it brings the kind of joy that I have. What's more for, for Paul, this first convert that he had, decades on, still faithful there, and he writes, my dear brother, my dear friend. Now, perhaps an old man writing an old man, but that is how it goes. You know, there are many that Paul loved deeply in Rome. It is not a blind letter to people he's never met. You know, his own dear Gentile brother, Epinatus, was there. His blood-bound comrades, Priscilla, Aquila, are there. You know, in fact, there are more that Paul wants to greet. Look at verse 7. Greet Andronicus and Junior, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. You now Paul remembers his old buddies, these two uh, inmates, that he had when he was in a prison in the past. You know, the Jews, these two Jews, they were Christians even before Paul's time, and they were still faithful. They were well known by the apostles. Perhaps they were from Jerusalem, who knows? But at some point, they shared the same cell with Paul because they shared the same gospel in the journey that they have. You know, someone suggested that most of the names in chapter 16 are Greek names. So whenever Paul has a chance, he would just mention he's a Jew. There's a Jew. There's a Jew. Because he is on a Gentile uh, um, journey, a missionary um, expedition of the gospel. So Paul names them. So we can be sure that as Paul speaks to the Roman church, you know, it, it is filled with veteran Jews, Jewish Christians. They are also filled with Gentiles from all walks of life. And of course, there are other faithful people. Look at it. They are faithful sisters who work very hard. We, we know sisters work hard. And Paul knows it as well. Look at it. Verse 6, Mary. Verse 12, Tripania, uh, Triforsa, Persis. And Paul gives great commendation to the sisters who work really hard for the gospel 
and they were his gospel partners and also those who stood firm like Apelles, verse 10. You know, these Christians, they stood firm when their loyalty to Christ was tested or challenged and they are all those whom Paul met outside of Rome and at this point, they were back in Rome. Now, brothers and sisters, as I want to pause here for a moment, I just want you to look up, look at the person on your left, look at the person on your right. Don't look at me, look at the people around you. Some of us have been Christians for many years. Some of us have been Christians just recently. Some of us have been Christians who have been spurred to work hard for the Lord for many years. You may not even have seen much fruits, or people may not even have recognized the hard work that you've put in. Some of you have been doing that for many years. No, I'm so thankful for many of you whenever I come to church because a lot of you work very hard without telling anyone. Some of you have been serving in music. Some of you are just printing stuff. Like bulletins just appear out of nowhere every week. Uh, we have people who are always welcoming, making sure the tables are there. And, and they disappear by the time the end of the service. Everything is clean. Like who knows who are all the minions that actually did that happen. And it happens year after, day after day, week and months and year. That people who just go to Batam every month, every month, every month. They just go. And, and I'm so thankful because I get to see... And I get to rejoice that you have been working hard for the Lord. When Paul writes to the Romans, he's not writing to people who are sitting at the back chair, but he is speaking, he's speaking to people he knew have worked really hard as well. I have no doubt that some of you here bore the cost of being a Christian. Some of you, by telling your parents you're going to be a Christian, you're going to be married, uh, you're going to stand firm as a Christian, you get the persecution, you get the challenges. I have no doubt some of you might have even missed opportunities. In life, it could be relationship, it could be all kinds of things by saying, I'm a Christian and I stick firm to Christ. I have no doubt that you have your journeys and I have mine, but I'm just so thankful just by being here for a few years as staff of the church that I get to hear some of your stories. I, I would love to hear more, but I'm thankful for you guys. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Paul would not have been able to write chapter 16 yes, if he has never put his hand in to get messy in life. If he has never been involved with these people's life, he will never have called them brothers and sisters or prayed for them. In chapter 1, he says, I pray for you. And I'm sure that he prays to them by name because he knows them by name. Here's the thing that unless we get our hands dirty or get involved with other Christians' life, that we will not know. We will not know the other person's Christian journey. We will not have the chance to be encouraged by what the person has done or have persevered. You will not have tasted the chance to serve that person, or to be served by that person, like the first song that we sang, that you may serve me, and that I may have a chance to receive, um, to serve you, and for you to serve me. Now, I'm not giving a BGR talk, just now we had a BGR talk already for two hours, um, but here's something one who gave these wise words to Christians, um, when they say, I, I wish I get a good Christian partner when I get married, and the person says, you, you'll not get one if you're not one yourself. You'll not find someone who loves Jesus and serves Jesus if you're not even in that space because you're in a different space. I think that's a very wise thing. That we, we will not be able to experience what Paul says that Christians should experience if we are not even in that space. If we are not crossing paths with other Christians and if we are not engaging with their lives and with 
uh, gospel together. But those are the things that when you are in the trench with each other, that you see the beauty and the glory of the gospel coming out. So Paul has been giving a lot of theology from chapter 1 to chapter 15, but at chapter 16, he started to show you the people. He started to show you the faces of people that he has journeyed with as a Christian, those whose life had brought deep encouragement to Paul. No wonder, as you read Romans, Paul says, I long to come to you, so to have you send me to Spain. He's not just hoping to just go there and get some money and go there. He's really longing to see his brothers and sisters. Some have risked their lives, some have gone with him, some were inmates with him, and some were those he shared the gospel decades back and are holding firm for the Lord. In fact, we read on, there are some who were Christians before, before Paul, who are still standing firm. Now, so dear friends, as we come close to the end of Romans, perhaps it's a good idea for us to start thinking how we should dig in more. Dig in more with other Christians. Dig in more with God's church. Now, take heed of Paul's words in the earlier chapters, to love others, to accept the weak, to partner in the gospel, to give, to pray for those who put their lives their work, their relationships on the line for the gospel. Dig in friends with other Christians. That's what Paul's message is. Don't get distracted by disputable matters and lose out on the precious relationships that ultimately bring God's glory. Now as we move on, Paul greets Rufus, the chosen in verse 13, and his mother. Now Rufus is a very special name. It's a name that's mentioned once in the Gospel of Mark. And I want to invite you to read it. I want to bring you to this story because this is an event that happens just a few steps before Jesus was hung at Golgotha. Let me read this for us. I put it up screen from Mark 15, 21-22. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexandra and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Now, Rufus's dad, Simon from Cyrene, was forced to carry that physical cross of Jesus for that few steps because Jesus was too weak to carry the cross because he bore the suffering and the stripes that you and I should have bore. But he bore it to the point that he couldn't even carry the cross. And Simon was there and forced to carry it. It was just a short journey for Simon. But him and his family never forgot that invent. So today, Paul, uh, that Simon's son, Rufus, he carries the cross, as did Mrs. Simon, mother of Rufus. For indeed, that's the reality. No one who has touched the cross of Christ and has seen the Lord of the Christ would ever, ever want to let it go. Now, Rufus knew the cross. It means that God's means to bring God's people to himself. He's the chosen. And he never let go. Neither did his mother, who became a mother to perhaps many who have crossed her path while they were carrying the cross of Christ. Now, and Paul, at some point in his missionary journey, he became a recipient of this Simon Foundation. Rufus's mom. No, Simon's mother, Mrs. Simon, she would not have allowed Paul to cross her path, his path, her path, without mothering Paul. No, when you hear the word mothering, you may think, well, 
probably is nagging and stuff. It's not about nagging for sure, but rather to care for Paul, perhaps at a time where he will have to struggle or he has to bear the cross. You can imagine Simon's mother, uh, Simon's wife, not mother, Rufus' uh, mother, bringing Paul to her house and as he, as she mothers him or talks to him, imagine her recalling the story, the family story to, to Paul. Paul, the time that my husband Simon carried the cross, that's what he saw. He saw the Lord, the Lord who carried that cross for you and me, the Lord who bare the pain for us, the God King who had to bear the shame of us. Paul, can you imagine that? That king, that God king. My husband talked about it all the time. He bore our cross. So Paul, keep on keeping on. Carry the cross because Christ has already bore your cross. Imagine, who else would have given such amazing encouragement as Mrs. Simon, reminding Paul and mothering Paul, keep on keeping on, bear the cross because Christ has bore yours. A spiritual mother to those who bears the cross of Christ. You know, I had a chance, and I was very grateful to this 80-year-old widow when I was in Perth, uh, who spiritually mothered me. I didn't ask for it, but she did it for me. There was a point in my Christian ministry where I was at a breaking point. I wanted to stop ministry. And um, and I, I was feeling like I've given enough and that was like my first crisis i didn't ask for any help but she came and spoke to me she's she was a missionary and a wife of a missionary her husband died um late in her years she never forgot him every night she struggles thinking about him but she comes and reminds me it is all worth it it's all worth it because christ has borne your cross she was a mother that I didn't ask for spiritually, but she came and mothered me so that I'm here still with you speaking about the gospel. And this is what happens for Paul as he digs in and gets messy in his life, bring the gospel out to the Gentiles. Now friends, dig in. Dig in in gospel partnership with others. Dig into the lives of others. You could be a brother, a father or mother to another Christian who is persevering. And you could encourage them as Paul had from Mrs. Simon. Don't cross our arms like this. <laughs> Not literally. Uh, don't cross our arms in our Christian journey and walk it alone. Paul has appealed this for the whole book of Romans. And he now gives the example. As it goes on, Paul has many more to greet. He greets small groups of house churches, verse 5, verse 10, verse 14, verse 15. Those who open up their homes so that others can gather to hear the gospel. He calls everyone, all of you, greet each other with genuine affection, with culturally appropriate holy kiss. Now, point, the point of verse 16 is nothing about a kiss, really. Forget about a kiss if it's culturally foreign to you. It's really about holy and warm gospel partnership in Christ. That's what Paul is bringing. So what does this greeting from verse 3 to verse 16 lead us to? Well, first of all, if we are looking at it, Paul is unpacking his theology from earlier chapters and now he's giving the snapshots of all the stories. You can imagine while he's just giving names, people there are familiar 
with the stories. They all know the stories of Aquila and Priscilla. They all know stories of those guys who were in prison. They all know the story of the man who has been Christian, the first Christian convert in Asia, and he's still standing firm for the Lord. You know, Paul speaks here to them as partners in the gospel. He speaks to them as people united together with him. He speaks with great affection to the whole spectrum of Christians in the Roman church. You know, Jews from Rome, Jews elsewhere, Gentiles from Rome, Gentiles elsewhere, Jews serving the Gentiles, Gentiles loving the Jews, their mothers, their intellects, their tan makers, hard workers, this whole spectrum. They don't all look alike, but they are all like jigsaw puzzles. If you play jigsaw puzzles, none of them really look the same as the other, but they fit together because they are built for the same picture. They have the same gospel and they build the same picture. Paul is convinced they already know and they already have the capacity to encourage each other. But Paul wants to keep reminding them to keep on being united in the gospel, keep on being partners in the gospel. So right at the beginning of Romans chapter 1, which we look at it, donkey years or donkey months ago, Paul says this, right at the beginning, he says this, Romans 1.11, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That was actually how Romans started. Now, Paul knows them by name because he prays for them all the time and he wants to strengthen them with the gospel again as a reminder when he arrives so that he can receive encouragement in his faith by their faith. Paul is not a high and mighty apostle by himself. He's always a team player. He's always a team player. Now, dear friends, how will we learn from Paul as we listen to him? Will we learn to eagerly desire to speak the gospel to each other, so that by each other's faith and Christian journey, we may encourage each other? Instead of in vacuum that we live and be mutually encouraged by each other's life, then that we will pray for unity amongst the Christians that we have and partnership amongst those who are geographically even separated from us. That's why next week, some of the brothers and sisters here, they'll be heading up to Danang, to people that we would otherwise never have met. But I think it's a great time if you would pray for those who are going that they will faithfully teach the Bible well, and that mutually their faith will be encouraged because each struggle in each space, praising the same Lord and rooted in the same gospel seed that we have. The same goes for those uh, in, um, in Batam. There will be those who have gone to India, like Ben. Those places that we never would have touched base, but because you got yourself, your hands dirty, you know, your life a bit more messy, getting into their space, that the gospel links up you and them, and us and them. So now as Paul calls the Roman Christians to welcome each other warmly, he reminds them, now he turns to a danger that will undo all of this. So he speaks with them a warning of those who will break fellowship. Look at verse 17 and 18, and then 19 and 20. Take a verse 17 with me first. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way 
They are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetite. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Now, if you look at verse 17 to 20, you step back and look at the whole chapter. It is actually sandwiched right between two big portions of Paul speaking about gospel unity and gospel partnership. The greetings include that. But for 17 to 20, it speaks about what could divide this unity. So look at it as we um, examine these few verses. He wants the Christians in Rome to be cautious of those who want to break gospel fellowship. Do not be unguarded of dangers that will derail you from being a united missional church. Paul warns them, hey, watch out. Watch out for those who come to divide. Watch out for the false teachers or so-called professing Christians who teaches what is opposite of the gospel. Perhaps by flattery, they make some Christians feel more elite than the others. Perhaps by smooth talks and divisive teaching, they draw people away from God's purpose to create their own agendas. To forget that unity was paid by blood and partnership was the call to extend the gospel. Come, let's have a different agenda. Let's do something else. We can say hi to them, but we are really not the same as the other group of Christians. Watch out for such people who divide. Because by now we should know, Paul never asked for a mindless unity. He asked for gospel unity. But you watch out for those who breaks this up. Because he says gospel unity are a unity of imperfect people. The devices will come and say this imperfection shows that we are better than them. To this, Paul says, keep away from them. Keep away from divisive, smooth talkers. Because their words will divide you. And Paul reminds them of the obedience they once had. The, 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 the whole world has heard about them. Look at verse 19 and 20. Everyone has heard about your obedience. So I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent, about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now, when I was in my teens, I, we used to have this really popular song called Romans 16:19. Has anyone sang that before? Maybe different, uh, different era. It used to be a song that you will stamp your feet because you go, Romans 16, 19 says, and then you'll repeat this like a hundred times and be excellent for what is good, be innocent or evil, and God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. I've been singing that song when I was a kid, thinking, oh, we, we need to live a good life and we need to not live a bad life and God will give us power to crush it. But when I look at the context of this, really it's not speaking about that. It's really speaking about unity and gospel partnership. Now, if you look at these two verses in context, it's calling the faithful Roman Christians, you remain obedient in gospel unity and partnership. Reject and walk away from the division and the smooth talks because God, who is the God of peace, rather than the division, will cause the satanic divisions that comes to you to be crushed under your feet as a church, as you stay united in this God of peace. And Paul sums up praying, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. To his beloved 
Roman Christian brothers and sisters, keep bearing the mark of the gospel. Keep showing the fruits of the gospel seed planted in you. Now, by the time we reach here, we might think, as with a lot of other letters, Paul is just writing alone to the church in Rome. But the next few verses tell us right off that Paul could not have been just thinking about himself to the whole church. Because there's this whole gang of people sitting behind him, listening on and saying, Hey Paul, wait, wait, wait. Before you end this letter, you have given your greetings. We want to give our greetings. So look at the whole list of people from 21 to 23. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucia, Jason, Sosifeta, my fellow Jew, I, Tatius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose, hospita- whose hospitality and I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greeting. Eratus, who is the city director of public works in our brother quarters, send you their greetings. You know, those who are listening there to Paul scribe, Tertius, reading out the letter and finishing up the page, he says, hey, don't forget me, Timothy. And the triplet says, oh, and me as well, and me as well, and me as well. And Tertius says, of course, I've got to put my name in. And then you have the um, um, Arrestus, Gaius, coming and say, hey, could you put my name in, this public workers and quarters? Now, as you look at Romans 16, just to pause, it's actually a beautiful chapter that is filled with loving partnership between Christians. It's a reminder for us that we too need to consider if we have a chapter in our lives where we can fill in the names of gospel partners that we have met in this journey whom we have joy, unity, and partnership with. Now perhaps, just perhaps as we finish up Romans 16, it's time to consider how to plug in more with the local church, how to plug in more with other Christians, to get your hands dirty, to live a messier life, so that you and I can have greater unity and partnership in the gospel. Now, chapter 16 is a beautiful chapter. It shows this whole letter to Romans is not just idealistic letter. It is a letter that is played out for all this time that Paul uh, has journeyed with the Christians there. Praising the Lord because of their unity. And so he comes to this last few verses, 25 to 27, which is a doxology that rounds up his whole letter to praise the God who has made all this possible and will continue to make this possible in the Church of Rome and has continued to make this possible in the centuries and millenniums right after them to our day today. So let let us read verse 25 to 27. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. So as Paul rounds up Romans, he sums up this glorious doxology praising God because it is God who is able to do everything that Paul has been talking about. God is the only wise one who deserves all glory because He is the only one through the power of the gospel can save us, can change us, can grow us, and through us can bring more Gentiles to Himself. That is the glorious God who uses imperfect people 
to bring about His perfect glory on that final day, asking us to keep growing in this. So that's Paul's urge. He's not writing to Christians who knows nothing about unity or partnership. He's writing to Christians who do know, and he says, and let's keep going. I think it applies really well for us. It's not that any of you do not know, or I do not know, but his call is, since that we know and we've enjoyed it, let's dig in more. Let's dig in more for it. As we end this letter, we'll, with all these names, I just want to pause and ask, imagine, just imagine for with me this one moment that, that your life and my life is a piece of letter. And at some point we will write our greetings. Will there be names that you will write in your letter who have been partners with you, who have shed joys and tears with you, who have been united with you for the gospel? Now, there's this song that was running through my mind for weeks for months, when I was back in Perth. It's a song that I couldn't shake off because it haunts me like it goes. I want to share with you the song. Or at least parts of it. The lyrics goes like this. I saw the light fade from the sky. On the wind I hear a sigh. As the snowflakes cover my fallen brothers, I will say this last goodbye. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this song. Maybe those who are older would. The title of this song is called The Last Goodbye. It is actually the very last song that came out when the credits finally rolled after a 13-year journey in Middle Earth. For those who watched the trilogy of Lord of the Rings and trilogy of Hobbits, after 13 years, this was the final song to remember the journeys that those who have acted together, those who have worked together and have seen the fruits of their labor together. It's the final song they ended the journey for the fans and the cast. You know, as everyone paused to look back at the journey, one of the stanzas goes like this. You can imagine if you are in the middle earth, if you are familiar with it, it goes like this. Under the clouds, beneath the stars, almost can sing it for you. Over snow, one winter's morn, I turn at last to paths that lead home. And though where the road then takes me, I cannot tell. We came all this way, but now comes the day to bid you farewell. Now, it's a haunting song that beats everyone who looks back on their life journey in Middle Earth to remember those who have journeyed with them. And this song haunts me. And no, it didn't haunt me because there's no more Lord of the Rings and no more Hobbits for me to watch. It haunts me because this song came to me when I was packing my bag in Australia. I was getting my family ready to head home. We have been uh, a, a wild journey in Australia doing ministry with internationals. And like the movie that showed the long list of credits, I wanted to write my own list. I wanted to have my own list of names of people that I would miss, I long for, and I would want to cross paths again in ministry. I, I jotted down some names, but on a melancholic day like last Monday when I was preparing this, I looked at my list and I said, I wish it was a much longer list than what I had. I wish there were more people I would have crossed paths with that I want to cross paths with again and to have partnership and unity in the gospel because we shared the same grace in our Lord Jesus Christ. No friends, how about you? Most of us will still have many years in our, in our Christian journey. 
Are there name lists that you start to think about? Are there people that you will miss? Are there names of people that you wish you would want to see more and you long to see them when Christ comes back? I hope it's not just a journey that we have as a Christian, that we finish it. But it's a journey that when we finish, we long for even more, to see more people that we have missed and we want to spend more time with them. Names of people who could be as different as hobbits and elves, as Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, educated, uneducated, Singaporean, Indians, English, Singlish, people who may be so different from us, but nevertheless we have journeyed together because of the same seed of the gospel that we bear. Dear brothers and sisters, Paul wasn't writing Romans to Christians who never experienced unity or partnership. He's writing to people who have, and he wants them to have even more. And so I pray, brothers and sisters, as we close Romans, that this will be a great encouragement for you and for me. Because you have, and I have, experienced some of it, but will we want even more of it in this journey that God still has for us? So that God's name may be glorified as part of the doxology in our lives and those after us. Let's close this time in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we finish our journey on Romans, there's a greater journey we still have for us. Father, we thank you for the gospel unity and partnership we already experience and enjoy here. But Father, we pray that we will want even more. Just as Paul had desired for the Roman Christians, we pray God that we desire this for ourselves that we grow the gospel unity and partnership in this church and that we spread outside these four walls to reach further so that your glory may be fully magnified when imperfect people like us come together because of one same King. For your glory we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.